0: Hey, everybody! I don't know how to start it off.
1: What are your thoughts about the intro?
0: Alright. Well, I wrote down a list of points. Boundaries for our podcast. We curse a lot.
1: Fucking obviously. We tell stories
0: and jokes. We are allowing ourselves a space to talk about important and challenging <laughs> subjects. If any of these things are not okay with you, please don't listen to this podcast.
1: But I, I think we should keep talking about this for for a minute and make that the intro just kind of take some of each of our statements and and make that the intro and also i'll use the fart noises welcome to how i met my brother I don't know when the last, when, when the, the last episode was posted, but a long time ago. it's Probably okay. This January. is a, this is a purely self-indulgent exercise anyway. It's, <laughs> it's, it's good just, to see you. it's a just a legal. thing so that we can talk to each other
0: um, <laughs> and see each other.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Okay. Anyway, I so I here just we go. This uh, song and uh, audience, if anyone is listening. My friend Long John Prism and I wrote this song together. It's called Chrysalis. So this is the first half of the song.
2: Have you ever felt your heart break? i
0: drinking a drink what is he drinking what do you think
1: oh it's it's my it's my standard beverage it's um Lacroix and apple juice oh yeah um okay so i don't think we have any fact checked because it's been that long since we recorded so um do you
2: i did go ahead you finish you finish oh i
1: was just gonna say do you want to start with just filling um Filling me and the uh, any listeners in on what you've been up to uh, because it has been so long since we uh, since we recorded last.
0: Yes, that would be great. Uh, and then the other thing, brother, is I'm going to Las Vegas tomorrow, and mm-hmm. I thought you know I might ask for your advice about Las Vegas and how to prepare myself mentally for that situation.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah, it's it's a lot um it so where where are you stay? are you staying at somebody's house
0: no we're staying in a hotel we're going with a pool uh, um so audience i don't drink and i don't gamble uh, i'm an alcoholic that's why i don't drink i would be dead if i didn't quit drinking um, and we're going to las vegas Woo-hoo!
1: so yes. which, which hotel are you staying at i
0: think it's called the flamingo
1: Oh, the flamingo! It's a classic.
0: <laughs> Is it a classic?
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like it's one of the older ones, so it's on the strip. Um, but yeah, it's one of the older ones on the strip. Um, there mm-hmm. are uh, actually flamingos uh, that that live on the property. Real? Ones? Um, yeah, yeah. like real actual flamingos. They have like a little like a thing in there, like a little I don't know wildlife park or some shit. Um. I'm pretty sure the the fling, Flamingo also has an In-N-Out burger, um or somewhere near the Flamingo has an In-N-Out burger, so you got that to look yes. forward to. In-N-Out
0: burger.
1: Um, yeah, I I like In-N-Out burger, but I also uh hate standing in lines. Um <laughs> Do so really? there there about Oh yeah, I fucking hate waiting in line. There are so few things in life that I think are worth waiting in a line for. <laughs> And there's this thing that happens in Boise whenever there's something that's like kind of got, uh, like something new comes to Boise, right? People get really excited about to the point where they're, well, they'll, they'll like wait in crazy long lines for it. So the first time that they're before a Krispy Kreme donuts had a location in Boise. So now you like they're ubiquitous, like every, uh, all the, um, at least all the Fred Myers, there's plenty. You can get fucking Krispy Kreme donuts like anywhere. And there's like an actual Krispy Kreme like donut factory uh, out in, in Meridian. Um, But like before there was one in Boise, people would like, people would drive to Salt Lake city and drive back with like, you know, cases of, of Krispy Kreme donuts. And as if they were like some sort of, like they're fine. They're like a decent donut. That's kind of how I feel about In n Out Burger. Like I appreciate what they do. Like they, it's all fresh ingredients. Like they've got very good uh, ethics as far as how their people are, 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 you know, how they, how they pay their employees and all that stuff. So it's like it's a company that I am in favor of supporting. But also, it's a fucking cheeseburger. <laughs> <laughs> and when when Krispy Kreme opened in Boise, there would be people wrapped like. Like fucking lined up for hours waiting for the fucking donuts, and same thing's gonna happen with in and out Like people are gonna be lined up for blocks and blocks in their cars to get in and out burgers, and it's like, yeah, like they're like they're decent burgers, they're pretty good, and it's like I said, it's a company that I'm in favor of supporting, but I'm not waiting in the fucking line <laughs> that long oh for God. a goddamn hamburger. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I think my way of coping with Las Vegas is going to be to do weird, weird shit in the streets mm-hmm. and then go to some art museums, go see
1: some art, and maybe go to a cool drag or there, bar. There's a ton of really cool shit um, in Las Vegas, and especially since you're not going to. Uh, take part in any drinking or gambling like you can you can see a bunch of stuff that like a lot of people do not see in uh, in Vegas because I mean shit the last time I was there we barely left uh, our hotel um, we spent the because we were there to you know gamble and drink and watch sport oh, and wa- watch World Cup and that's what we did Um There is, there are several good restaurants. So as, as much as possible, um, try to, uh, go off the strip for meals. Um, because so every hotel on the strip has basically two options for food. They have either like their, you know, higher end prestige restaurants, which are, um, way more money than they should be and um and not that great most of them um uh, especially if you want like yeah especially if you're not trying to spend a crazy amount of money if you want to spend a crazy amount of money you can get like probably amazing food that still costs way more than it should even for amazing food um or they'll have like some sort of kind of commissary type of place that'll have a couple of like you know um you know, a Johnny Rockets or a, a, an In-N-Out burger and like a, you know, a burrito place or something like that, which will also be radically overpriced. Um, but still not, it, you know, it'll be like $20 for a combo meal for a, you know, cheeseburger and fries combo meal or something.
0: Did you have, did you go to a restaurant that you remember that you really
1: liked? Yes. So there is, um, there are a couple of places that are off the strip it's basically like everybody who's in the industry in Vegas, um, in the, you know, alcohol beverage industry, the people that I, that the, I, that I talk to and interact with, um, uh, nobody eats or hangs out on the strip. Um, so there is a really, really amazing and fairly legendary, um, uh, uh, Asian place called Lotus of Siam, um. Which is, uh, I mean, they're, they're all off the strip. But let us say, so there is, um, Vegas does have like a Chinatown. Um, and there's a bunch of really good places in Chinatown. Um, there's a place called Lamai. Um, and there's a bunch of good like noodle places and stuff in Chinatown. And there's also like Vegas has like a little Italy kind of area. Um, and yeah, so there's a, a ton of good food um just off the strip and you just have to have uh, you know take an uber to get there um but it's worth it because the the value of the food you know you save money on the uh, on not getting radically overcharged for food by you know spending 15 bucks on a uh on a Lyft or uber to to get to the to get to the place
0: cool um so In terms of what I've been doing, what I've been up to, I produced a couple of shows. Uh I co-produced them with a trans friend of mine, Charlie McCorn. And we have been in a partnership and we've created something called the House of Mysteries. We just came up with a little jingle for it. I don't know if this will stick or not, but right now the jingle is, No Shame, No Blame. We belong, we love this game. No shame, no blame. We belong, we love this game. (laughs) And so I don't know if you know this, Leal, but in drag, they have houses. And the houses kind of represent families. And so ours is the House of Mysteries. We just like anyone can belong to the House of Mysteries, even if you're not queer, as long as you're not an asshole.
1: <laughs> you ever watch the show Pose?
0: Yeah, I love that show.
1: Um, so yeah, you're it's the 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 same basic concept as what was going on in the um uh what what was this oh. like this the ball scene? Yeah in uh, in New York in the eighties and nineties. So there's this
0: interesting thing. That is, it's, it's statewide and it's national. It's called the ISCSM, which stands for the international shoot. This is going to have to be a fact check. What does the
1: ISCSM stand for? International society.
0: Uh, It's a courtship. The C stands for courtship. The state of Montana inter. So I'll remember. I can look it up. Ooh. Um. But that the so that is how most drag is done in in Missoula. Most drag artists are a part of the ISCSM, which is a nonprofit, and it's and they um, donate their money to local causes. And that's really cool. But Charlie and I, we had it. We wanted to do something a little different than the ISCSM. We wanted to pay our drag artists, which the ISCSM is not allowed to do because it's a nonprofit, uh, which is essentially capitalism's way to extort anybody who wants to do anything good for the world. So they're not allowed to pay their performers. And from my perspective as an artist, I feel like art deserves to be valued. And our especially queer artists deserve to be paid. So that's one. Um, Also, we don't have a hierarchical structure. So the ISCSM has taken from the courtship structure from Europe. So there's kings and queens and emperors and empresses and counts and countesses and it's kind of fun. It's like a fun play Mm -hmm. and I get that, but Charlie and I don't want to do that. Um, because this is an aspirationally decolonial drag experiment. Um, it's not just a show it's, it's a movement and it's, it's an experience. It's, it's yeah. It's a little bit more than just drag. And the other thing we wanted to open up in our drag performance was to allow all kinds of people to explore drag. So there's a lot of straight people in our shows and queer and trans and non-binary and people of color and integrating kind of all of those looks and feelings together. And uh, one of my favorite parts about our shows was that all different kinds of people came together and we all worked together. And um, I have a song that I sang in my last comedy act, which is let's, let's pretend we love one another. Um, and it was just this feeling like we all loved each other for a moment. <laughs> you know, I think sometimes we have to kind of forget that uh, we have these issues with each other and there were indigenous people people of color black people queer people straight people uh people of disabilities all in the same space and all working together and that was really powerful so there's all these laws being passed and all this weird stuff with uh dictatorships happening in the United States government and all over the world right now. It does seem to be that there are some scary energies that are wanting to rise up. And um, my goal, and I think Charlie's goal as well, is to use art as a way to bring people together to unite us so that we can feel empowered, which is just kind of always the way it's been throughout human history. The people... Ultimately, are the ones that have to come together and rise up and figure their shit out. Oh my god! Okay, what? this is a separate thing. So I did this really weird performance art piece. I think I told you about it. And uh, there was a void, a, a void hanging, and I'm walking around the stage with this to-do list, and I'm flogging the to-do list, and I'm talking about how we need to get busy, be, being busy producing. We got to produce. We got to produce because that's the only way to success and happiness is productivity. And then this suddenly a rainbow cock flies out of the void. Now, this is crazy, Leal. The rainbow cock flew out of the void and it did a couple turns on the stage and then it landed and suction cupped right onto the stage and went, and that was not planned. The probability of that actually (laughs) happening in real life is like zero to zero, and the audience went fucking wild. I wish you could have seen that
1: that is very impressive I would
0: have been proud
1: <laughs> I, i'm I, i'm I'm already very proud there are a few no honestly no like there are a few things more satisfying uh, as as a like as a live performer than when something like is possible but not controllable like no matter like because there's no i mean maybe you could practice enough to make to to know within you know with uh like with with reliability that that was going to happen but probably it'd be very very difficult to to make something like that happen consistently and uh and so when it actually happens it's just like it's very it's it's very satisfying very sad you just you just feel like the audience
0: was like oh my god did you see that that's a miracle the rainbow
1: cock just suctioned onto the stage yeah no that's the the there was a a time um during a performance in college when and we had this uh little wooden bench and um there were i was off stage when this happened and um one of the uh one of the characters on stage had to and it was a comedy so that helped um he like did some kind of like a a very dramatic flop onto the bench and it just broke it just fucking <laughs> just snapped in half like the leg it was cuz it was just like a piece of wood on top of two legs and it just went <laughs> and just just broke and um and it was very funny and nobody was hurt fortunately <laughs> like um and they and you know so everybody on stage was played it off well we had another bench in the uh, like in the 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 other the in our practice theater so one of the stagehands like saw that it broke ran over to the next building, grabbed the backup bench, brought it over, and then like in the like between scene at the end of that scene, came out, took the broken one off, and put the new one on because the bench was like a central part of this of this of the stage too. So we couldn't get through the or it would have been harder to get through the show with the with a broken bench. So it all looked like it was totally supposed to happen. It was completely deliberate. Like everybody everybody who was in the audience was like, Oh, that was so great. That was so funny. We're like, Yeah, that was not supposed to happen. Yeah. No, when, uh, Oh God, one of my other like favorite college theater (laughs) memories was when, uh, we were doing a production in the spring and, um, we had our, our, our school had a, um, like a sister partnership with a college in Ireland. So every year there were two Irish foreign exchange students at our school and two students from our school went and studied at this other, at this school in Ireland. So, one year, um, we, uh, the, the, uh, Irish foreign exchange student was in our spring production, uh, and St. Patrick's day, as you are aware is in the spring. And we had a performance on St. Patrick's day and, right. um, we had, you know, I think we were all probably there at like five o'clock for a call and, um, and he wasn't there and everybody was like, where is he? And they were like, well, um, somebody saw him at about one o'clock going back to the liquor store to get another bottle of vodka. Cause he had already drunk an entire bottle of vodka and we're like, okay. So and he, this is college. This is college. Um, so, uh, so we're all, he had not a, like he wasn't the, the lead in the show, but he had a, a decent sized role. He was like kind of a, uh, one of the, uh, mechanical so he's in a lot of scenes and had a lot of like a lot of lines that were cues for other people and cues for things to to happen so we're all sitting there like going through where are our cues what are we gonna do to like to cover for the fact that he's not there he shows up like 45 minutes before curtain with his face painted green um and just just like knocked down drunk um and so we Like we start getting him changed, start getting the green makeup off his face, like trying to make him look normal. Um, and uh, and and he gets to the show. He didn't miss a single line. He didn't miss a single cue. What? It was the best performance that we had of that entire run because everybody what? was like so completely. Like everybody was just laser focused, waiting for anything to go wrong. So we were all just like we were all so thoroughly on point. Um, and he did not fuck up a single thing. It was it was unbelievable.
0: That is amazing. Yeah um the lead character there was a one cool thing about the show we did that i have it was a variety show but in between the acts there was a a through line and it was Uh in between charlie who was acting as a character called chastity wilkes Uh who's a religious a female religious fanatic and then the other character was margaret murder who's a pro wrestler she is a pro wrestler And John Howard plays Margaret Murder, who is a local big-time comedian. And uh, he just plays an amazing female wrestler. So Chastity Wilkes comes out at the beginning of the show and is like, I drove in all the way from Hamilton, from my Church of the Lord, blibbity blip, and I want you to all know that you're going to hell. You perverts need to get off this stage right now. You know, and Charlie, who is trans, is doing this character. And it was just hilarious and amazing. And then there's a huge, giant wrestling match at the end between Margaret Murder and Chastity Wilkes. And right before Chastity Wilkes is about to win, she stops and she prays to the Lord. And she's like, dear God, please bless my husband, who is currently in jail for the that happened on uh, January 6th in the American <laughs> government. And it was just a uh, really brilliant social commentary as well. And and then after that like huge um, energy release, uh, Margaret Murder ends up winning, winning the wrestling match. I went on stage and I started to talk about fear. So the person who was supposed to close the show, Lee Rizzo, who's a very close friend of mine and a musician in town, got COVID and couldn't oh. couldn't close out the show. And she's like a her music is amazing. She's an amazing human being. And her drag performer's name is Brotherly Love. And her drag performer and my drag performer have just been getting to know each other. So Lee's whole idea was we, what we did was we talked about the fear of chastity Wilkes and how chastity Wilkes has all this anger, right? So there's these people in this, in the world right now, and they have so much anger and fear around queer people, black people, indigenous people, immigrants, and are making laws to make it such that these people like can't exist essentially because Some people are so afraid of color and authenticity. It just terrifies them. So I said, in my processing, I've realized that behind all of that anger is a lot of fear and grief. And then we all talked about our fears and we had this rainbow thread and we went around and and not everyone, but many people in the audience would just state something they were afraid of, and we passed the rainbow yarn, and then we switched it to love, and what is it that you love? And then people from the audience would share what they loved. And in the end, we had this rainbow web interconnecting everybody. And I've never done anything like that, um, but it was a really powerful experience To have people state what they were afraid of in a in a group setting, and then of course what what you love as well. But that fear seems to be um, it seems to be what is underneath a lot of the problems in the world and uh, the problems that we have systemically that are really hurting people.
1: yeah and, um <clears throat> i mean this ties back to a lot of the stuff that we've talked about before um, but that fear is um, is being cultivated and exploited right now in specific reference to like the the kind of shows that you're that you're talking about doing um, because there is clearly obviously if you have any if you're if if you're looking with any sort of, of honesty or you're looking at it in terms of like actual uh, things that happen you know because they're all first of all they're focusing it all around save the children protect the children um but there is nothing the, you know the, the 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 right has uh ha- keeps hammering on this like basically the very existence of trans people non-binary people gay people any you know anybody who is off the the you know the the, the cisgender heterosexual line um and all people they're different. all they're all groomers. They're all trying to, you know, they're they're all uh, trying to to recruit your children and um, and all that shit, which like we know is is a lie, and we know based on the evidence um, that there's nothing to to support that. But they're managing to get this into people's heads, and um, you know, and, people aren't aren't like they're not thinking, they're not looking at evidence. Um, they're listening to somebody deliberately lying to them because that person like the, you know, the lie comes from the desire to maintain power. Uh, And the desire to maintain power is based in fear. And there's, you know, uh, like it, it ties, there's, there's a lot of different, different threads in there because um, some of the people who want to maintain power, it's coming from that, uh, that fear of lack, that fear of, 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 of not having enough. Okay, right? so That's... this
0: is what I – I th- did I write this down or I thought – I had this thought today that, yeah, they want to steal our power because they don't have any. They're not <sighs> empowered. And so they're trying to gain power by stealing it from other people instead of cultivating it inside of themselves.
1: Well, and I think there it, it's based very much in um... – Again, like there's there's so many different places that this that it comes from, Um, because part of it, like the um, the 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 compulsive accumulation of uh, of of wealth, for example, um, that is that that's fear based from like being afraid that you're not going to have enough, right? That that yeah. there will be n- not be enough. And it's magnified to this incredible, you know, like exponential degree when somebody is hoarding enough, uh, wealth and enough resources, like so much that they can't, that they're, you know, there's no way that they and everybody they love and all of their offspring for 10 generations, uh, will not need the amount of resources that they have, that they have hoarded. Um, but they, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And it, and it's only because, I mean, it's, it's true. It, in large part, it ha, like it's, it, it exposes one of the problems of, uh, of, of money of like the, uh, of, of the existence of money in general, because if there, if it, if it was a, a barter economy, right. If it was just like, these are there, there are goods, you can, you can make things, you can trade things, you can, you know, consume things, whatever. Um, yeah but there's no way like without money which like the you know billionaires the, their money doesn't exist there's not you know they're not all Scrooge McDuck with a giant tower full of actual physical currency right um it's all just fucking numbers it's all data their 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 money isn't real um and if if you were not existing in a money system and like having have you know the existence of currency provides a a convenient way that allows uh that that Makes a uh, makes bartering, um, you know, more, uh, more, more simple and e- and easier at larger scale. Like that's the whole reason that money existed. So you didn't have to walk around with fucking, you know, uh, a, a crate of chickens, and another guy has to walk around with like uh, a fucking sourdough uh, rolls. Yeah, yeah, you gotta. I, I gotta. Yeah. I got to carry, I got to, I got to bring my wheelbarrow full of, uh, of, of bread and to, to the market and, you know, go home with two chickens and, uh, and uh, whatever. Um, so like there's, I, I'm not, I, I'm not arguing for like the dissolution of, of currency, but yeah, the problem is that you, like under a system where it's simply not possible to accumulate that much because, uh, it, be, because you just couldn't, like you couldn't have it you couldn't physically have you can't have a, a billion dollars like you can't actually have that it's right. it, like it's 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 all made up I've and if never it was heard
0: it said like that it is made fucking up like but we give our power away to these fucking people so much
1: well and I mean, it's, they, al-
0: it's an illusion of power
1: they they buy it because they buy politicians and they uh you know they buy power and they buy influence um but so going back to like that that fear thing and that's what like it's it, it's so multi-layered and so multi, multi-faceted like the the dysfunction that um that is kind of the 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 cancer on the the soul of uh, of human society and this isn't new stuff either. You know, it's like it, it, it's tempting to look at what's going on right now and be like, "Oh, this is you know, it's so bad right now." But I don't know how much worse this is than than any other time in human history. I mean, I think it's the worst time in American history, um, maybe um, in terms of like the long term viability of the country. I think we're, I think this country's in trouble. Um, like, I I don't know if this country is going to survive another hundred years. Um, but that being said, like most countries don't survive that long. Like they've, they, they, they tear hey, themselves. Like
0: nicely said yeah. brother.
1: I mean, they, yeah, yeah they, they tear themselves <laughs> apart. They get, uh, they, they get conquered by other countries. They, whatever. And, um, well, okay. So, so and
0: now I'm thinking, The threat, you know, so we make these giant countries, Russia, United States, you know, China, India, and we, the countries are competing for resources and for all this stuff. And competition is fear. Uh, The need to have these giant dominant governmental structures is fear. There is so much about the systems that we're currently living under that I think really have to do with our own unprocessed fear, and and other people's unprocessed fear.
1: A and lot of so yeah. I
0: think and so one thing I really thought when I went to Hawaii last year, I was trying to learn about the Hawaiian sovereignty movement. They have a badass Hawaiian sovereignty movement there. Of course, it's. They all, you know, everybody has trauma in their bodies at this point. So figuring out how any of us can get along. Point being, many indigenous people want land back and there is a sovereignty movement. And I, I stand with that movement because I think we could evolve to having many smaller, smaller uh, organizations throughout the world without having to have these giant overarching governments anymore. They are like parents, like God, like poppy god. And um, and I don't why do we still need mommy and daddy to to rule us, especially if they're abusing us and let let indigenous people have land back and heal, let let white people heal, let let Africa heal. Oh my god, what are we doing to Africa so we can have all of this privilege? That's horrible that we're okay with that anyway a little bit of a soapbox
1: (laughs) i mean i think you're right so
0: we're just so scared of that because we're like maybe scared of growing up and taking accountability and so you cry a little what's the big fucking deal you cry then you understand your humanity and you understand your fellow humans
1: we've never done it though like, that's
0: a good point
1: that's the problem because
0: very good point brother
1: like n- i don't know if it if anywhere in human history that there uh, if there has been uh, a society that has that has been able to uh transcend uh and this is i mean i brought this up a while ago that like i don't know how we make our next step uh, in in human evolution how we progress beyond this planet um because all of our politics all of our fighting all of our wars all of our mentality and everything um is is small brain shit it is right. it is or one planet it, it yeah it is it is one planet shit um and okay, it's funny because well, i'm I wanna... like i'm i'm going through uh I'm, I'm going through the expanse yet again right now um and i just got to the part in that series where uh there's a guy who basically tape. tries to take over the universe um
0: i gotta get the books on tape for that
1: yes absolutely do that um
0: well so we're not gonna be able to get into this in this podcast but audience at some point leal and i are gonna really get into the multidimensional universe and quantum physics and how all that to uh trauma and shit but what i did want to kind of touch into if you're open we've been talking about fear and projection and how much fear is a part of this system it's inside of supremacy and projection and scarcity monetary system like you're talking about not having enough domination all that shit but what we haven't talked about and i i'd love to share a little bit this is a little more intimate but Wheel and I have both done a little bit of inner child work, and I think that that's different for both of us. But that's where the individual goes down into their own body and their own psyche, which is connected in ways that we do not understand yet because the psyche and the spirit and the soul aren't necessarily physical. And the physical body is a part of that, and it's an expression of that. And the physical body holds and contains all of our fear in a way that's connected to our psyche, which holds and contains our fear (coughs) from childhood, and it also holds and contains our trapped fear from our ancestors. So there is some multidimensional shit going on, some quantum shit that I don't, and I think some of it is actually internal not only external and maybe if we could explore some more internal stuff and connect that with with our relationship to science if we wouldn't understand ourselves better and let will you share a little bit about what inner child work is to you
1: yeah um okay so the um the way it has worked for me is uh as an adult and going through therapy and you know working on how to be a better better person in the world um I learned to I started this practice where basically when I um when I know my mind is not being rational when I'm when I'm having a reaction that I don't want to be having basically you know when I'm
0: frequently fear sometimes it's fear, to trauma.
1: fear, fear, anger. Um, you know, just when I like uh, the, the best way I can describe it is like any reaction. It's, it's any reaction that I don't want to be having, you know, when you're in a situation and all of a sudden you're not having a good time, you're not enjoying the company of the person that you're, or people that you're with, or, you know, you're upset about, Whatever task you're trying to complete, or whatever, like all of a sudden I'm having a reaction to this that I don't want to be happen- having, and it's not like specifically because of the task. It's not because I'm incapable of doing the task, or it's not because of the person, not because I don't like the person. Um, but all of a sudden I'm angry, or I'm resentful, or I'm overwhelmed, I'm frustrated, whatever. You know, there's so there's a lot of uh, a lot of different um, emotional reactions that um, that kind of tie into this. Um, and so what I learned to practice doing is to try and connect with what part of, uh, cause I generally found that, um, those things will be tied to one or many, um, earlier age traumas, uh, things that I had, uh, that I got upset by as a child or, you know, had a hard time with or whatever the, the, the case may be. Um, and so I kind of, um, tied into a couple of different, um, like kind of psychic age age ranges for, for myself growing up, um, as like, you know, a, a very young child as a, a, a preteen, uh, like early teens, late teens, you know, like probably, um, Uh, and sometimes I was able to drill into like one specific event that something was reminded me of. And, and that was why this thing that was happening now was reminding me of like a a hurt or a trauma or a fear or whatever um, that had occurred when I was, you know, eight or 12 or 17 or whatever. Um, And so then I do this, um, this, this conference table exercise where I, I try to um, get all of those kind of, different, uh, psychic instances of, of myself from, from childhood and get them all around a table and, uh, and let them, let them talk. Uh, and that's been, it's a really, wow. a, a really interesting way to, um, uh, you know, cause I mean, I, there's like, there, there's fear that's coming from, there, there's fear that comes from like my, my adult self as well. And, and allowing my child self to look at my adult self, and, you know, so putting, putting myself briefly into the, the mental space of like, what I, where I was as a child and what I thought I was going to be, what I thought my life was going to be and what, um, and then, you know, what that, that child would think about, um, about what my life is and, you know, kind of like letting that, uh, that, that psychic instance, um, you know, speak kindly to my adult self, uh, about, uh everything that I that I that I have accomplished and how um you know proud and excited uh he is to eventually become me um and uh yeah. and stuff like that. And um uh, yeah and I have a little like this is one of the things that my um uh, a suggestion from my therapist, but a uh a, a ring that I wear that uh is like just kind of, of
2: power.
1: a <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's just a a connection to uh like you know, anytime I feel like I need to, uh, you know, convene that meeting table, um, it's, it's there and on my hand. And so I just, uh, you know, it used to be something where I would take a lot more time with it, where I would really like kind of get myself off into, in, into a private space and not be around anybody. And, you know, like sit by myself in the dark and quiet and, um, and, and have those, those meetings. Um, uh, but yeah, anymore now it's something that I've just, uh, you know, kind of integrated into, into my practice where, you know, any, any time during the, during the day, cause I, you know, tend to fidget in general. So I, I feel that ring on my, on my finger and just kind of, uh, reach out to all those little different, uh, elements of my psyche and just see how everybody's doing, Yeah, but there's a lot of, uh, you know, that was, that, that was a, a specific approach that, um, the therapist that I was working with, uh, had, it was, um, something that we kind of, uh, came up with together as we were working through it. I have no idea if that's a, uh, an approach that is, you know, clinically common or if anybody else does that. But I, what I do know absolutely for certain is that every single person experiences trauma as a child and the overwhelming majority of people do not thoroughly, uh, process that trauma, uh, either at the time or, uh, over the course of time as they grow up. So it's still there. It's still like, it's at the very least, it's a scar. And, you know, when you have scar tissue and something pushes on it, it hurts more. That's, it's really basic shit. And, um, you know, I think I've mentioned this before, but like the idea that, you know, there are people out there who will like, who will proudly talk about how they've never had any sort of mental health uh, treatment of, of any kind. And I'm like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard anybody be, be proud of like how, like f- a couple of things, like, cause it's the same, like d- compare it directly to somebody saying they'd never been to a doctor. Right. Like, if you've never been, do- been to a doctor and you've genuinely never needed like you've at, you've, you've reached adulthood, you're 35, five, you're 40 years old and you've never had an injury, never had, uh, you know, never had any reason that you needed to go to the doctor and you're still in perfect health. You're actually genuinely in perfect health. Now you're just saying you're in perfect health. Like you actually are genuinely in perfect health. And, you know, and somehow, despite having never been to the dentist, your teeth aren't falling out. And despite having never been to an optometrist, your vision is still perfect. Despite never being being to a general doctor, you don't have fucking high blood pressure. Your weight is good. Like everything else, all your fucking triglycerides and whatever, all that shit's perfect. Hey, good for you that's great. I'm like, I'm jealous and I'm sure most people are, but also you didn't fucking do that. There's no way that that's something you can be proud of because that's just genetics and you got really fucking lucky and kudos. And that's nice for you. And yeah, that, but it's not like that. That doesn't mean you're, you are specifically tough. You just won a fucking lottery. Uh, And it it is exactly the same thing. But chances are that any person who has never been to any kind of a doctor for any of their physical shit has a bunch of shit wrong. Like their fucking teeth are probably rotten out. Their blood pressure is probably off the chart. They probably got fucking hemorrhoids and an ulcer and God knows what else. And they just don't want to go to the goddamn doctor. And it's basically the same thing when it comes to to mental health. Like people go, people don't want to go to, to get to get any kind of mental health assessment because they, they, they think, Oh, I'm just fine. And Oh, my parents never got mental health and they were just fine. And they only hit me a little bit. And just like, it's, it's just fucked. Go to a, go to a goddamn counselor, (laughs) go fucking talk to somebody. You're upset about shit and you keep trying not to fucking talk about it. And thinking it's going to go away. I mean, fuck, like I told you this about how, you know, dad gave me like a, a total weight complex, which is something that I still carry. Um, I don't, I don't remember you telling me. About oh that. yeah. No, dad used to just, you know, he'd, he'd fucking like pinch my belly and make fun of, make fun of me and shit for, uh, for being shy. Ch- and I wasn't like, I wasn't a fucking fat kid by any means. Um, And it came out of some kind of fucking misguided thing that he had where, cause I wasn't, I wasn't super active as a kid and Alex was much more active than I was. Um, and Alex has dad's body type like completely. And I, I don't. Um, so Alex always been like super skinny. Dad was super skinny all the way up until he was like, in you know, like 40. Um, and uh yeah so he'd like you know call like make comments about uh about my weight and stuff uh until finally like in uh in college I, when i came home from thanksgiving one year um he like made a joke about my weight and i told him to go fuck himself in the middle Risks. of thanksgiving dinner fuck yes <laughs> and that was
0: <laughs> what did he do uh
1: i think the room got really quiet and uh <laughs> Um, and then I wrote a joke about it, you know, and I did, and I, and I told that joke on stage for a while. And, but here, like the point of it, the point is the, re- the reason I bring it up is like, I thought that I was done with that trauma. I thought that I had, uh, like that I had dealt with that because I had addressed it with that. I had talked to him about it. I had talked about it on stage. Like I was, uh, I, 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 I had identified the, the scar. I knew that it was there and I knew that I could talk about it. But it was still like fucking te- it was in my like early to mid 30s um, in therapy when I got to like the deeper part of the scar, which co- and it still comes up sometimes it actually fucking came up um, recently because uh, the- <laughs> so the the scar is um, is tied to like the the failure of protection from a parental figure that's that, that's what really like where, where it really gets, you know, deep down in me is that like his fucking job was to protect me and he didn't, he hurt me instead and I didn't mean to, but he did. Um, and, uh, and, and, and that's also turned into the, the, like this fear that I have that at least like, I, I can't get rid of the fear, but at least that I know, like I know that it's there. Um, and it came up um, recently cause we had to take our, uh, our extra cat to um to the humane society because um he wasn't the our our first cat wouldn't just just wouldn't tolerate him and we finally decided it was he needed a, we needed to get him a a new place to live because it just wasn't a good scenario for any of them but I felt that was one of the things that came up for me um yeah. it was like I felt like I was fail, failing to protect him I was failing as a parent to these two cats and um like I had this I, same thing when um we we had a fucking chicken get killed by a raccoon um like a year and a half ago uh, exact same thing is it like immediate like just to like 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 fucking like a a dagger directly onto a nerve ending I was like just just got right in that that place of like both the like the inner child piece um fee- like yeah like reminding me of my own of my own trauma of that you know, that failure of protection from somebody who is supposed to do that. And, um, like my fear as an adult of, of failing at that same task.
0: Thank you for sharing. Um, I'm going to share what I, my delving into the psyche, the inner child stuff. Um, I was on meth in my twenties and I saw a shaman. It was my first time seeing someone who considered themselves a shaman. And it was a female. <coughs> <clears throat> and we did something called <clears throat> soul retrieval. And uh, I do believe in it. And, um, and I, I think it's similar to like what happens in sweat lodge, but you go into a meditative state and someone's drumming. So anytime I've done it, I've done a lot of soul retrieval-y kind of things with where you meditate with drums and that is supposed to bring the body back to when you were back in the womb and you feel safe. And so she went back and like rescued uh, eighth grade Heidi and like high school Heidi and kind of brought them back to help me integrate those parts of myself. And then I would do these... um. I would do these guided meditations where people would relax and, you know, like hypnotherapy and you're dropping down into your psyche and drop down, down, down. And then you're on a path and you're walking through the forest and you see a kid walking toward you and you go up to that kid and you see it's you. And it's really powerful work. Um, You need to. I th- I've, I've experienced that you can't really fuck around with that. I tried to do those meditations with some high school kids once who were not in healthy like home situations and the psyche can actually break if it comes t- into contact with something that's difficult and it's, and the person is not in a safe environment yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is something I've, when we've talked about quantum and multidimensional I just have really experienced with my work in shamanism and all the ceremonies I went to in Latin America that like these parts of my cells were trapped somewhere and then they had to get unlocked and then the reintegration back into my psyche was like shaking and crying and releasing the fear back through the body so that it could be reintegrated. So point being, I think we have the tools. I think there's a lot of ways to get there. I think there's a lot of people doing this kind of work in a lot of different ways. And a lot of cultures have done this kind of work in a lot of different ways. I just think we would need to do it, you know, and be supported collectively. And that has not been the case. Like if you're somebody who's wanting to do this kind of work, you have to seek it out. It's not, you're not going to find it on HBO max.
1: No. Well, you bring up a really good point about people needing to be in the right place because you don't, it's not just high school students who might not be in the, the right place, you know, mentally and emotionally to, to do that kind of work. And I, um, I compare it to uh, like everybody I know who's ever had a bad experience with psilocybin hmm. uh, has had it while doing it under the wrong circumstances. Um, so like people who, you know, kids in high school who, I mean, first of all, legalize, legalize all drugs and control them. So people know how much they're fucking taking Exactly. for fuck's sake, for fuck's sake. Like, honestly, um, legalize because the, the, the difference that it made, um, for the the first time i got psilocybin that was like in capsule form so i actually could measure reliably how much i was taking and was i able to actually go okay like this is how much i how, how much creates this experience and this is how much creates this experience so like whether you're uh you know taking a small amount just to uh to to have fun with friends or go to the movies or whatever uh or you're you know taking enough to talk to god um what
0: do they call but, that a soldier i' can't hero's Uh, journey the hero's journey that's right that's what Paul uh, Stamets calls the hero's journey
1: oh that's funny um
0: big the large amount of
1: mushrooms but like I uh there's two examples that I can think of one uh was a friend who like had a bad experience on mushrooms and it was because he was out partying in the woods he was in high school He was out partying in the woods with a bunch of other people drinking getting wasted and most of them were having like uh, you know the kid like the reasons that you get get wasted in the woods in high school um like you know most kids do like where you're having trouble with what's going on whether it's family trouble or you know social trouble or whatever but you know that like kids are going through a bunch of shit at that time so adding you know powerful hallucinogens and not knowing how fucking much you're taking uh, on top of that yeah you have a you fucking freak out and you know think that the woods are bleeding or whatever um and then another friend was. This is one of the saddest ones. Um, she had uh, had broken up with this guy, and uh, but wasn't over him. And then, and she and her girlfriends were like going out, hitting the hitting the bars downtown, doing like the you know the meat market bar circuit. So they were all like you know dressed out, you know dressed to the nines, and and you know ready to turn heads and whatnot. And somebody decided that they should all take mushrooms, and she just bailed on her friends. And walked to this dude's house and his door wasn't locked. She walked into his house while he was asleep, like into his bedroom. And she like, she realized what she was doing when, like, when he woke up and was like, what are you doing here? (laughs) Um, So yeah, you have to be in the right place, whether you're doing, whether, whether you're accessing your psyche through psychedelic drugs or, Uh, Through, you know, meditation, therapy, ceremony or anything like that, but you've got to be ready for it. And the bigger part of my uh, of, of where I wanted to go with this was it's one of the things that makes it really difficult to figure like. You, you, and I can sit here, and, and and with the people that are close to us, we can go through our like growth journey and try to become better people, and we can help the people that are close to us that that we know, you know, want to also make that progress, and just say, hey, this is what I've done, this is where it works for me, and if you know if you're interested in hear, hearing more about that, I'll tell you about it, and here's a book, and here's a fucking here's a, t- a Ted talk or whatever. Like these are things that have been meaningful for me and trying to, you know, to, to heal my psychic wounds. But the people who are doing the most damage mm-hmm. aren't fucking going to listen to that. Like Marjorie Taylor green is not going to access her inner child and figure out what fucking trauma she went through that makes her such an unbelievable monster. Um, trauma. You know, the, they yeah, uh well i mean well yeah trump is not going to Tr- trump is never going to go to a therapist trump and is a walking
0: and air and child problem.
1: he is he is such a he's like i i've i've never fucking met the man and i can look at his behavior and i can look at the publicly available information about him his relationship to his children and his relationship to his father and i can go yeah i can see where a bunch <laughs> of that shit comes from Really fucking clearly. It is so fucking obvious. Like there's probably more about it that I don't know that I, that I can't, uh, that I can't guess off the top of my head, but there is shit about that man that I am a hundred percent fucking certain about. And it's, and, but he, yeah, he's never going to try and get better. He's never going to try and, and seek help uh, because of the type of damage that he has uh and so how how do the people who do want to get better how do the people who do want to evolve psychically and emotionally uh, uh, like how how do how, how do we exist in a world where the people who don't are try are are, are desperately trying to get and keep control uh and, and and to undermine any systems that come up that in that that encourage uh, that, that kind of growth, because not only are they trying to like, you know, are, are they refusing to to go through that growth themselves, but also they are actively working against people and anybody who is trying to, uh, to undergo that, that type of growth.
0: I think that is a great question
1: which we will with. <laughs> and we'll answer that question on the next episode <laughs> join us next week when we reveal how to solve what? the problem of extremely traumatized and toxic people ruling the fucking planet <laughs> and here's a song about butterflies
2: Looking, listening, being, a cup of tea, butterfly. Are you scared to come out of your chrysalis? Let yourself die, waking up new to your bliss. I go high. means cutting out what we can't save mending our weak spots need some stitching patches strengthen and we build something lasting patches strengthen and we build something lasting. Oh,
0: that was nice. That was a good one, man. Not all bad right. for not having done this in like two months.
1: Yeah. Uh, all right. You got to go interview roommates. So, did you figure out where you what you what you're doing? Not yet. So you got to you. You didn't find a you didn't figure out the place yet. No, nope. oh, figuring
0: okay. it out still. A lot okay. of stress right now.
1: Yeah, that's that sucks.
0: So thank you for I. That was wonderful hanging out with you and talking about all this cool shit. I'm so glad to hear a white male talk about inner child work.
1: Eh, that, I don't know if I'm white. Cool. Um.
0: I gotta go though. I really yeah.
1: Go. Okay. Um, so I gotta go too.
0: I'll be in touch after Las Vegas. Okay. And let's do this again soon and try to get a little more regular again instead of many months apart. Yeah. I miss you.
1: Miss you too. Be safe. Have fun.
0: Have a great night tonight. Say hello to everybody and give my love. Okay.
1: I will. Okay. Love you. Love you too. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us. We're glad you were here. If you want to support what we're doing, you can do that at Patreon.com/HIMMB or at HeidiJLLC on Venmo. Thank you.
0: We appreciate
2: you. Donate now.